The book of Jonah is a very familiar story, even if you've never studied it in depth. A whale of a tale. And I really think that phrase probably came from the book of Jonah. Whale of a tale. A man being swallowed by a great fish and living to tell about it. And many, though, with the book of Jonah, try to say that never happened. And as John Corson would say, in an effort to make the book of Jonah easier to swallow, doesn't that sound like John? They come up with different ways it should be interpreted. Many will say the book of Jonah and what happened to him is it's a myth. It's interesting, but it's just fiction. Uh, Or they might say it's an allegory, and it's just symbolic of the Jews' history. Jonah as the Jews, the great sea as the nations of the world, and the whale as the Babylonians um, who took them captive for years before releasing them. But God... But God, we know in, in uh, 2 Kings 14.25, Jonah is mentioned. He is a real person. And as you saw in your lesson, Jesus talked about Jonah and being in the belly of the whale, bless you, in reference to God's judgment against the religious leaders, as well as his own death and resurrection. He didn't say it was a story. He didn't say it was an allegory. He spoke of it as being a factual, historic event. So it is truly um, a miracle. There's miracles in there, but it is real. It did happen, and you're going to be able to talk about this a little more in your group. So for this first chapter, and if you want to take notes, you have a blank paper on the back of your lesson, or we have notebook paper on the name tag table. But basically, the Lord gave me three C's, the call, the choice, and the cost. The call, the choice, and the cost. So the call we read in verses 1 and 2. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Mattiah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Uh, it's not necessarily that clear what else or what part of the message God was wanting Jonah to share. But Jonah knew what it was going to be. And in chapter 3, verse 2, he was told, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So twice the Lord called him, was wanting to send him. God had a very specific work for him to do. He was sending him to a great but wicked city to preach to them. God was giving them a chance to repent, to change, to be saved. It was a warning, um, if you will. But Jonah didn't want them saved. (laughs) He wanted nothing to do with them, and he certainly didn't want to see them saved from the judgment and punishment that he knew they deserved from God because they were a cruel, evil, wicked people to their enemies, and they were conquering different nations. Now, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which was a world empire for about 300 years. And it was an enemy nation of Israel. And as I said, they had done horrendous things to their enemies, including the Jews. Nineveh was quite quite large. I read that it would take three days to walk through it. Now, there's an optional question on Nineveh, so you're going to be able to find out maybe more um, in your group discussion. Evelyn, who are you looking for, dear? Sierra, Sierra's daughter. 
Okay, so anyway, um, God in his mercy wanted to give these wicked, evil people a chance to repent. And we should be extremely grateful every day for God's mercy because without his mercy, we, we would, it'd, it'd be over. God's mercy is him not giving us what we deserve um, through way of judgment and punishment. Um, Jonah was God's prophet, and he was called to go to Nineveh. And let me ask you this morning, where has God called you to go? To whom has he sent you? We've all been called by God. Each and every one of us have been called. In Isaiah, um, I never can remember if it's chapter 6 or chapter 9, but after the king had died and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, um, and the angel came and took the coal to touch his lips because he said, oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then he heard the Lord say, whom shall we send? Whom will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Isaiah was willing to go. Are you willing to go? It doesn't mean you're going to be sent to a city like Nineveh or to an evil, wicked people. Maybe he's just going to send you to your neighbor or across the street or to a checker in line at the grocery store or someone that you just come across. But either way, God has called us. Some of these other things he's called us to, for 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 16 through 18, basically we've been called to come apart from the world, to be separate from the world and the way the world lives in its mindset. And I thought about this, and it's like, I know you're familiar with these phrases, me, myself, and I, dog eat dog, money, 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 keep up with the Joneses, buy bigger, buy better, buy more, abort that unwanted baby, live with the guy, and now even we're hearing more girl living with girls. You don't have to marry, cheat but don't get caught, divorce the old and bring in the new. But we're to be separate from all of that. We, we're to live differently than the rest of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we've been called to represent our Lord. God calls us as his ambassadors. So we're living here in, in earth, but we're citizens of heaven, and we need to be representing him while we are here. Galatians 6, 9 and 10, we've been called to continue doing good, especially to all. It says, to all, especially the household of faith, but to all men, don't be weary in your doing good. You will reap, so don't give up. Philippians 2.4, we've been called to look out not only for our own interests, but the interests of others. We need to care about others and, and see what needs they have to pray for them and to come alongside. 2 Timothy 4.5, we've been called to do the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? They evangelize. They spread the good news. I will tell you, ladies, we are not all gifted. We don't have all the gift of an evangelism, uh, evangelist. There's some in our midst. Pastor Michael has that gift. Kathy Forth in our midst has that. Um, probably Hannon and Denise Pinckney and many others. But we're all told to do the work of an evangelist. So we need to get over ourselves get out of our comfort zone, ask God for boldness, ask God for sensitivity, and, and go ahead and reach out. Plant seeds, water seeds. God is the one that gives the increase. Even we need to <laughs> preach to those who are wicked or might be considered an enemy. 
There's so many other things we're called to. We're called to surrender, to obey, to pray, to forgive, to love. And as we studied um, in the Beatitudes, Jesus in Matthew 5.44, it's recorded that we're to love even our enemies. Jonah was called. We are called. And Jonah made a choice. And ladies, every day we make choices. So that takes us to number two, the choice. And in verse three, we read Jonah's choice. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. His choice, to run away. His choice, to disobey, to go in the opposite direction. And did you notice he went down to Joppa? And as I pointed out in the lesson, and I had gotten this from a couple different commentaries, he went down, down, down. Every step he went down further with every choice that he made, going in the wrong direction. I had a note, excuse me, in my Bible from uh, Pastor Chuck Smith's teaching many, many years ago. And um, Joppa's city seal the seal that they had designed 500 years before Jonah ever went to Jonah was a fish with a man in it. Isn't that interesting? I, I, I just find that fascinating. And from Joppa also, 800 years later, God called Peter when Peter was in Joppa to go preach to the Gentiles, and that's in Acts chapters 9 and 10. Joppa was a port city, and there Jonah, to get as far away as he could, got on a ship going in the opposite direction to Tarshish. Probably most believe that was in Spain. Um, I've given maps. Barb found a a good map, and we've made copies, so you'll get a a map in in your group today uh, that you might want to just keep with your lessons. But Jonah made a choice to flee from the presence of the Lord. Doesn't that just make you kind of cringe to hear that, to flee from the presence of the Lord? Uh, It's stated twice in verse 3. One commentary I read said that that meant he was leaving his office of a prophet. He was basically quitting and saying, I'm not going to be a prophet anymore. I'm not going to go speak for God. But either way, he was running away from the call of God. That was his choice. He was refusing to go where God wanted him to go. Are you running to God or are you running away from him? Are you fulfilling the call God has on your life? Or are you refusing it, going in the opposite direction? This isn't quite, well, I was called to do this. It's certainly not a a call like this, but, and I've shared this in the past. There was a gal I was in leadership with at the other church I went to for many years, and I could tell I had done something to offend her, but I had no idea. So I called to ask her and, and um, to apologize. And I felt that she was really kind of a little overreacting because she said, because I came up and greeted her when she was ministering to someone that I was rude, I wasn't sensitive, and I had been interrupting. And I apologized, but, you know, the frustration that you feel, you know, Well, we had a leadership meeting probably within a week or two, and I wanted to stay as far away from her as I could. I just didn't want to even get close, and I know the Lord called me to go over and greet her, to go over and give her a hug. I wanted to go wring her neck. Um, That's what my flesh wanted to do, 
but I know that wasn't what God called me to do. So I did, because I, I just didn't want to be miserable about it. So I walked over, gave her a hug, and, you know, we continued on in, in the ministry, you know, serving alongside. One thing I, I've learned about ministry, you can be in the same ministry with people, and outside of the ministry, outside of the Lord, you wouldn't necessarily have anything in common with those people. And it's not like you're going to be best friends with everyone that you serve alongside. But if you have a common goal, then you put aside the differences and you, you know, work together um, as the Lord has called you to. But anyway, um, my husband learned the hard way. You don't ever say no to God. He didn't send a whale, but I've told you before, I got to go to Russia uh, with a ministry. And I came home ready to go again. And my husband said no you're not going again, and no, we will never go. Well, I knew we were so on opposite ends of the pole, you know, and I thought, Lord, how can two be one and have us feel this way? So please change one of us. It was too serious for me to try to manipulate and get my way um, or to pray, Lord, change him, change him. I was willing, just change me then. But um, some of you know, most of you know, that at the end of that year, both of us were going to Russia, and we went um, every six months for the next four years. So um, God changed Michael's heart. God has a way of getting you where he wants you to be, doesn't he? When we say no to God, though, there will be a cost that we pay. Jonah paid a cost, and that takes us to number three, the cost. Basically, we see the cost in verses 4 through 17, and I'm not going to go over all of those. You're going to have an opportunity to summarize, briefly summarize those in group. But basically, the Lord had caused a mighty storm to come. Did you notice the Lord caused it? And the sea was so rough, the ship was about to be broken up. The others on the ship were very afraid, and they started crying out to their gods, little g, and getting nowhere. They, they were throwing some of their possessions overboard, trying to lighten the load, but the storm only got worse. And yet, interesting, Jonah was sound asleep. You guys can talk about that maybe in group, how you thought he could sleep through it. But the captain came and woke him up. Jonah knew he was the cause of the storm, and he told them, throw him overboard, uh, which they did end up doing after uh, a little bit of time. And as soon as they did, then the sea and the storm was calm, just as Jonah said that it would be. But there was a cost to those men uh, as they tossed over their possessions, but it turned out for good for them because they came to know the Lord. They repented and got saved. Well, sometimes our consequences of rebellion don't always end in, in that kind of way for others that our rebellion is going to affect. This time it did, but we need to know that when we are disobeying God, when we're going in the opposite direction, or not even just moving, but not moving forward, um, it will affect others, and it doesn't always come out um, uh, good. So what cost did Jonah pay? Well, first he paid his fare to get on the ship. He was then thrown overboard, swallowed by a whale, um, depending on your translation, it might say a great fish or a sea monster, depending on, again, what version you're, you're reading. But it wasn't just any whale. I, I'm just going to say whale. But the one that the Lord had prepared. Did you notice that? The Lord had prepared the whale. And Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly 
of that whale. Is that hard to believe? Yes. But is it true? Yes. Could it really happen? Yes. And I want to read just a little portion um, from this book I have of John Corson's, which is his uh, commentary on the book of Jonah. And um, he, he writes of a true story that in February 1891, the whaling ship Star of the East was in the vicinity of the Falcon, Falkland Islands when they, the lookout sighted a large sperm whale three miles away. Two boats were lowered, and in short time, one of the harpooners was able to spear the creature. I'm not going to talk about it, but as they were attacking the whale, um, it lashed its tail, and the crew... Uh, fell into the sea, and one of them was drowned, but the other, James Bartley, simply disappeared without a trace. Well, after the whale was killed, the crew set to work to remove the blubber, and they worked all day and night, and again, I don't want to go into all the details, but um, as they were taking everything they wanted from this dead whale, it says, in so doing, the sailors were startled by something in the stomach which gave spasmodic signs of life. Inside was found the missing sailor, doubled up and unconscious. He was laid on the deck and treated to a bath of seawater, which soon revived him. At the end of the third week, he had entirely recovered from the shock and resumed his duties on the ship. His face, neck, and hands were bleached to a deadly whiteness, and he took on the appearance of parchment. Bartley affirms that he, had pro he probably would have lived inside his house of flesh until he starved for he lost his senses through fright, but not through lack of air. And it says this is only one of several records wherein non-Christian, non-believing historians and scientists have recorded incidents of men surviving in whales. So it, it, it's certainly possible. With God, all things are possible. He is a God of miracles. So even if it had never happened after that, we could certainly believe it because God can do anything. But it is actually possible that um, that, that happened. Um, but God had prepared the whale. God had sent the whale to swallow um, Jonah. He paid the cost of his disobedience. And there's always going to be consequences, ladies, to our choices. God's merciful to unbelievers and to his children, but obedience is very important to him. Um, and it should be important to us. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. When we obey him, we're showing him and others that we love the Lord. Verse 9, Jonah declared to the men on board, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? That he's saying he reverences the Lord, he knew who God was as the creator, and yet he said no. But really... When you say no to the Lord, whether it's verbal and then with your actions, no, Lord, are two words that don't go together. Truly, if he's your Lord, he's your master. And servants don't tell their masters no. Their only answer is yes, Lord. For Samuel 15, 23, we read about how it is better to obey than to sacrifice because the Lord sees rebellion as a sin of witchcraft. When we obey the Lord, it's pleasing to him. When we obey him, it's going to be better for us and those around us, even when it's hard for us to obey. The Lord's will is best, bless you, and we shouldn't fight against his will for our lives. Sometimes we learn the hard way. We 
go through and resist enough times, it's like, Lord, you do know best. The sooner we yield to his will, the better off it is for everyone concerned. But he has his ways of getting us where he wants us because of his love and his kindness. He knows where we need to be. He knows what we should be doing and need to be doing. So don't make him send a storm to stop you from going in the wrong direction. Don't make him send a whale to swallow you and take you to where he wants you to be. And God is sovereign. What does that mean? It means he is the supreme ruler. He's the greatest in rank and power. He is above all others. He's the greatest. He's the supreme authority. And we know in Scripture we're told he's the king of kings. That means he's the king over all other kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is Lord over all of those that are in positions of power over others. The Lord is all-powerful. He's almighty. Nothing is too hard for him. All things are possible with him. He is a miracle-working God. And I encourage you leaders, and I encourage myself, we need to get to the end of the lesson in our discussion today because you're going to talk about all the ways that you could see God's sovereignty in chapter 1. So ladies, answer God's call. Choose to say yes. Don't run and try to hide because you know you can't hide. You're not going to be able to hide. And don't pay the cost of disobedience and suffer the consequences of it. But enjoy the blessings of obedience and doing what the Lord wants you to do because he loves you and he knows what's best. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and the things that we can learn from Jonah, even in his disobedience, Lord, when, when, they, when they sin, when they make mistakes, Lord, we can learn from others' mistakes even as we can learn from their good example, their right choices. So, Lord, help us not to miss anything that you're wanting to teach us as we go through this book. And as the gals have a discussion in their groups, Lord, I pray that they can learn from one another and just bless and enrich their discussion, we pray. And again, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.